Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Back again, friends. It's the Code 47 podcast, episode 77, over on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. I am your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan. My name is Charlie Carden, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey, a West Michigan chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club, joined as always by Peter Stein, my uh, my. My engineer to the stars, who is, we were having this conversation uh, before we set up. If you're watching our YouTube channel, which I hope you are, we, you know, it's always kind of fun to see what Peter's got going on. He has a nice background laid out, kind of like my partner Todd Oxford does over on SFU Prime, our main show. I like this. And Peter, I was thinking I really do need to get in and probably rearrange this a little bit. I don't want it to get too stale. Um, <laughs> but Peter is, uh, and he's brave because we're, I mean, it's July and we've been in the middle of a heat wave, but he's wearing his full length. Enterprise jumpsuit. He's a crewman today. Oh no, you have the pips on. I couldn't. I couldn't quite tell. They're not correct, but you know they're there. they're they're incorrect pips. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know what? It's too fuzzy. I can't quite see what exactly are they. They're they're my TNG pips that I just. Oh no! You madman! Yeah, because I have your pips. You got to swing my pips. Well, they came in I'm, the I'm using it for a role playing game, and so I just. Oh, there you go. So that people know what my rank is. Very good. I like it. So anyway, um, it's uh, Peter. How are you? This lovely well. rainy yeah. Sunday. God, last night I thought the world was going to blow away. It was. Uh, we could have used the uh, you know weather modification net to to correct for some of that yeah. stuff. It was hilariously. Crazy. I was playing a video game, uh, Valheim. We were building some stuff. And then yeah. it started like storming out here. I was like, oh, my well, that's God, that's interesting. I right. looked out the window and I was like, oh, the tree, everything's shaking. And then yeah, like, right. two minutes later in the game, it started thunderstorming. Which I oh, thought my was. goodness. Yeah, we lost power twice. We were watching some some new movie. on. It was The Gray Man, that new movie on Netflix with oh, yeah. uh, the Russo brothers did with Chris Evans. And uh, what's his ass? They actually call him a Ken doll in it, which is hilarious. Oh, Ryan oh, uh, Gosling. Um, it was great. But anyway, the Wi-Fi went out twice. And we're like, we just go to it's like 10 30 or whatever so yeah. after after we had a <laughs> after we had a great uh we worked a show the club worked a show yesterday out in grand haven code and con which was was awesome but anyway i could pontificate about that forever but it was a big day and i was in between talking to people at the show i was glued to my phone because we got it was you know san diego comic-con is going on i believe it's certainly by the time you listen to this it'll have wrapped up um, but yesterday we had uh, three different uh, Star Trek panels uh, out there in San Diego, and we got three phenomenally significant pieces of information, two amazing trailers, uh, and then news about a crossover, which would be the first that we've had since the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, I guess if you looked at the last episode of Enterprise, which that nobody wants count. to do. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. It was a damn holiday program, and it was an abomination. 
Yeah, well, is- we'll we'll get to that further down the that much further down the road. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, Peter, when I was on vacation and, and sitting and playing with my laptop, I was sharing with you and Katie, kind of mapping out what I want to do super, super, super long term for the show, like episodes I want to do five years from now or longer. And yeah. at the end, when we get through all of these series, I really want to do I want to do top ten best. I want to do like a deep dive in each one of those top tens, and then I want to do a quick top 10 worst and yeah. i th- i think i think a lot of the enterprise i think it's going to be easy for some of those episodes of enterprise but anyway so yeah so the three big pieces of news first and foremost you know we're coming off of picard season two which on this program we were not very big fans of um but we know that we're going to be we know picard season three has long since wrapped uh i have a feeling we're going to see it in the first quarter of 2023 because i feel like they've fallen into a pattern where these streaming shows are dropping at the same time every year so picard Mm -hmm. was uh in 2020 it was february 2021 i believe it was also february and so i'm thinking you know for 20 we're no, do we miss it? Wait a second. I, I might have gotten that wrong. Because the first season of Picard was 2020. Did we get it? Did we not have I don't think we had it at all in 2021 yeah, because of COVID. In 2021. Yeah. And then we got and obviously film two and three back to back, basically. There you go. Exactly. So anyway, now in the first quarter we'll be seeing this. But yeah, it was the news dropped three months ago that the entirety of the TNG cast was going to return. Uh, including Bre- yeah the main cast exactly but we don't uh, you get know, Barkley at we don't get we Barkley don't do. we don't get Sila uh, you know Tashi Yar but we we're supposed to ostensibly have Brent Spiner as as uh, Asung you know not probably, as Data but yeah probably um, Alton Inigo like yeah this yeah the same one. same character we saw in season one but but yeah but essentially we're getting our um, we're getting the other you know six characters plus Picard returning in their roles so. We got both, uh, you know, these great character portraits, and then we got a trailer that showed, you know, each character kind of do a turn, and they had an iconic line. Um, So just an absolute lot to unpack. So we first kicked off the first or second image was Worf. Captain Worf wearing which what looks looks like Worf. I know because and it's yeah exactly. They have not really done much with his character as far as giving him crazy ridges. Uh, completely shock white, long hair, wearing what I think looks like a new, potentially a new version of like a captain's bomber's jacket, I'm thinking. Because if you look at it, it does have that kind of leather pleather look to it. Yeah, and it had which, like lines down the sides. Right. I mean, Peter and I, are, if you listen to the show, you know Peter and I are customers. We really pay attention to that kind of stuff. Um, so we're, you know, I'm certainly really... Certainly really very fired up about that. Uh, we moved on to see uh, Jordy LaForge, uh, who is wearing Commodore's uh, Commodore's badge, if you yeah. remember from uh, first, uh, no, first season. It did of, look like Worf had a Batleth on his back. It did look like that, yeah. So that's a, you know, and, and there are some, and even you chimed in on socials and said, and, and I uh, made mention, Worf, Captain of the Enterprise, at the end of a tie-in novel that was a prequel to Picard season one, that was the job he got when Picard left the Enterprise to take his admiralty and he was running that Romulan reclamation project, blah, blah, blah. But again, non-canonical unless the TV show makes it canonical. So fingers crossed for that. Uh, LaForge, Commodore, uh, you know, wearing a, a variation of a senior officer's uniform, 
Yeah. Riker wearing what again he had pips, but he was wearing what looked like another variation of potentially a he looked like, like he was Captain's just wearing outfit. civvies with some pips in a in a comp badge. Which is weird, but like you know you know, uh we saw seven of nine wearing the Starfleet uniform from last season, which means I'm actually gonna buy it because I was holding which, off. Which is nice because that's yeah. a snazzy uniform. And I was I was sitting there when I first I saw Worf and Jordy, I was like, please don't be just switching up the uniform every season. Right. Like, right, and, and in three different ways. And in three yeah. different ways. If, if, like, I'm again, okay with variants, but if you're going to like everyone gets a new uniform every season, right? No thanks. That's been and again, that's been Todd's big complaint talking to like you know I was in the I was in the Air Force for five years and they don't they change military uniforms once every fifty years or whatever it is. That's very true, but it's a TV show. You see Picard, you see Picard and Troy and uh, Doctor Crusher in, in, all in civvies, so potentially they're not in. Though we do know Picard was in Starfleet at least last season, so yeah, we don't know we don't know any, each one of them got a great character portrait. Um, and I was, I was a buzz on social media, like I said, in between doing stuff at the show yesterday. So that was kind of all the information we got. We have no idea what the plot line of the series will be. Obviously they're all back together again. I'm sure there's some big threat and because, you know, we have the the long arc storytelling, uh, way of, uh, that's very popular today that we've had for the other two seasons. Um, so I would imagine that's kind of what we're going to see here. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm, I mean, oh, my God, I'm fired up because if you think about it, and again, you and Katie and I uh, in several weeks are going to dissect 2002's Star Trek Nemesis, which was the send off for the TNG cast back in 2002. Spoiler alert. I know I hated it and thought it's it was a kind, very, very poor send off. Final the frontier for the next generation. It's not like- right. Not as bad as Final Frontier, I would say. But right, good. right, exactly. It was it was an attempt, but again, you know, we're, we're not going to get into the particulars of that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, yikes! So I'm really fired up. Like I said, my prediction is February of next year we'll get what I assume is ten episodes, um, and let this be a, let this be a fitting not only send off actual send off to Picard after having a very weak season uh, in season two, but then a, a proper send off to to our you know tng characters so yeah they, they got to do it like justice like all good things all good things still in my opinion has the best ending out of any right um, show because it just it it it's the swan song it's the curtain call like they Rep- did it really well wrapped the it other up shows just didn't manage to pull it off right right i mean i would i would i was very fond of the finales of both ds9 and voyager but i do see where you're coming from oh i liked the yeah that's a different topic, I guess. But like, yes, I enjoyed them. I just thought the fine, the final shot in Voyager just didn't work for me. Like, I think I felt they needed another scene. That's right, it. right, yeah. It was just too much dangling, you know. But you know, again, not that they launched a whole novel series, which also is non-canonical. But I did enjoy it. I followed that that uh, I followed the Voyager post relaunch series longer and a little bit more completely than I did the DS9 one, though I did read that yeah. for several years. And those those all came out in the early 2000s. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I read, read one or two here and there, but I mostly yeah. read like the Dominion War books and stuff like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. No, I know. I Yeah, I, I dug on those as well. All right. Moving on. Lower Decks Season 3. We're nowhere, we're getting it in 31 days or rather 30 days on the dot if you're listening to this episode when it comes out on Monday. Um, super fun trailer uh which I, I really i should have watched it again before we sat down and talked about it so should i have it. i just i just watched it, it i watched it on my phone and then i also shared it with april and Lori at the event because three of us work in the event yesterday but this was i mean it was great it, it's it, it's kind of got a search for spock vibe where that you see uh 
at least Boimler and Mariner are, are yeah, stealing the Cerritos out of space dock. And you're seeing, and it's funny, I just posted on Twitter that great image of her uh, stealing uh, what looks like the Chachapoyan idol from Raiders of the Lost yeah, Ark. It's a, look, it's a little from, Klingon. From Raiders. And, and she's swinging across a chasm. So Raiders of the Lost Ark being, you know, my favorite film of all time. Um, you know, I definitely loved on that. But yeah, a lot of a lot of just great Lower Decks humor. It's like, you know, being in Starfleet isn't just about uh, aliens with slightly off-center generic ridges. It's also about, blah, blah, you know, it's just... And then yeah. I loved, and I turned around and shared this on social media as well, the um, Starfleet career day where they have the tent and the yeah. table. <laughs> and I'm like, it would be amazing if we could set up one of our future events to be like that. If we had an outdoor I'm event. I'm sure we could pull it off. Yeah, it just great. to order a big tent that just has Starfleet. And then we have a table that has a model of a ship and some brochures and like I've a little whatever. that are that size. We can totally yeah. do that. <laughs> I, think, I think that would be super fun. We did have an outdoor show in Monroe, Michigan that we were going to do that we ultimately ended up backing out of because I just can't hardly see sitting outside all day in the baking sun. I, I think it would be a real bummer. So that's kind of, kind of why we dialed that one back, but this is going to be amazing. And again, I, I would love it if Katie was on talking, talk with us about this. We are in our next episode. Um, I'm going to have Katie coming back. We're going to spend the next two episodes uh, doing a roundup uh, of season one and season two of lower decks lower and decks. just talking, talking talk about how much we enjoy it to get ready for so season great. three. I, like Lower Decks was one of those shows that I was mildly skeptical when they first announced it just because, you know, the animated series was so eh. But that is absolutely a quick sidebar. Absolutely hilarious you say that because for the show yesterday, we were at an anime con, a Kogan con out oh. in Grand Haven. And um, it was. Um, we had we had our new TV stand, which April put together, and um, I forgot the remote control to the stupid Blu-ray player. Even I had my big book of buying thing, and, and then oh my god, I forgot the remote. So Lori says to me, "Well, if they have Wi-Fi, just jack into the Wi-Fi, and we'll just show animated stuff." So we did. We showed all of Prodigy, and then I just put the animated series on for the rest of the time because it really fit the theme. And then we also did a panel, Lori and April and myself, about animated Star Trek. Trek and we just yeah. we just want we, we were just winging it April put together a very simple PowerPoint and we were just winging it so we were all very immersed in animated Star Trek yesterday but anyway yeah it's great I think there it looks like Lower Decks is continuing with their thing of all like little Easter eggs and goofy stuff because it looked in the trailer like um, we'll be seeing Tendi and Rutherford I think they're going to Montana to the Phoenix launch site because there's a shot with them looking up and they're wearing hats that look like Zephram Cochran's hat. And so they're oh, probably like funny. souvenirs from a gift shop. Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> I could be wrong, but that's what it looked like. I absolutely need to have a, a second look and we will get all the, all, if you look at our, on our socials, all these trailers, everything we're talking about will be posted. So definitely go check those out on, on Twitter or on Facebook. So last last real bit of cool news, uh, even though obviously we don't have any footage to go with it. Strange and Worlds is wrapped up. We know we're getting season two. Uh, again, if I'm you know using my Star Trek crystal ball, I'm going to say that's probably definitely going to be May of 2023 that we're going to be seeing that. But we've landed our first crossover, our first true crossover since Bashir was in an episode of TNG in season six. And uh, Loxana Troy would cross over and be on DS9, but having actual core characters interact, 
the yeah, machine the, Riker the, was on um, Voyager, like when he was physically on the ship. That was the last. There time you go. Yeah, and even and even and even that was a toss away because it was a cue, so it wasn't like yeah. he was there doing anything. Because um, Barkley doesn't count. He was a hot. Barkley doesn't count. Now Troy did show up, but it, Troy showed up on Voyager, but she, she, she was on, not on she Voyager. Was on Voyager. I'm just yeah, saying exactly. the last time there was like person on ship, right? Of other. Of other Ex- show. Exactly. So yeah, it would absolutely be uh, Riker's very brief appearance in the episode Death Wish season two of Voyager. I love that you and I can that you and I can riff like this, like I know the episode because we're both such friggin' nerds. But that's okay. That's <laughs> what we do here. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about Strange New Worlds crossing over with the animated lower decks. Oh my god! And so April and I immediately started talking. I'm like, is this going to be like a cool world scenario where you've got the, Apparently the, not. Yeah, I, where the Strange New Worlds is live action and the lower decks, or is it going to be like the episode of Supernatural where they did Scooby Doo, and everybody is animated? So it is I mean, you say apparently not. I I have not, and again, I was catching this all super secondhand. Do they get more specific as you go through? I there? got like I read, I saw the clip of um, Jack Quaid and um, Tawny Newson crashing oh, yeah. the Strange New Worlds panel. Oh, I um, see, I see it right here. They walk up behind and they're just like, yeah, it was really funny. So I saw that, and then underneath was a little tiny blurb. And what it sounds like is that it's they're kind of pulling what the CW does. Yeah, where they're going to do some part, at least part is live action, like Strange New Worlds, right? And then there's part that's going to be animated, but it's not like they're both at the same time. Right. So there's going to be live action um, Lower Decks characters on Strange New Worlds. Oh, my God. So it's so so, so it is going to be like Cool World. Cool World, if you don't know, is a 1991 Brad Pitt movie. So it's like right yeah, at the beginning of his career. Of and whole I have not seen it since 1991, I would say. I, I don't know if it's streaming out there. I wouldn't recommend oh, it. It's all out remember, there. I've all seen I remembered is that it was really bad. Um, you know, think about think about how Who Framed Roger Rabbit was really great as far as integrating live action I'm and animated. Yeah. And then, you know, so there, there's got to be there's got to be, you know, there's no double headed coin when it comes to stuff like that. Heads is going to be good. Tails is going to be bad. So the coin was flipped and that's what you got. Um, so but I have very little doubt that this is going to be spectacular i just absolutely and the, cannot, and the cannot was directed by jonathan frakes so we, oh my god know it's gonna be yeah good. so you've got basically the two best modern era star trek shows of the of the four that they've made and then you have the the best star trek director of the last 25 years excuse me 30 years actually because frakes started directing in 1990 in season three of he did the episode uh with data's yeah. daughter which is called offspring Thank you very much. Exactly. That was his directorial debut. And then that is essentially that became his career, both within and without the Star Trek franchise and the things he's done. So, yeah, he's great. I, I mean, I've read several blurbs over the years of actors who said, oh, my God, this Frakes is directing this episode. Everybody has a great time because he's a great dude. I got the chance to see him again when I was in Chicago a few weeks ago getting his autograph. He's just just a super great guy uh you know or at least he is to fans he's nice to fans as opposed to william <laughs> shatner appears to william shatner here's a quick sidebar piece of note who when i saw he was going to be at grand rampants comic-con or at, at san diego comic-con and he was sitting in on some of the panels he's 91 years old and apparently has just zero fucks left to give because he said um modern star trek would make gene roddenberry spin in his grave and he said F Star Wars when someone asked him about Star Wars. Except Mark Hamill. He did make that caveat. <laughs> oh, okay. That part I missed. But I'm like, all I said when I said on social media, as I said when I was going to be there, he said, I said, he's 91. I just want to see him do something crazy. And he did not 
disappoint me. Thank you very much, William Shatner. I quite enjoy when he shows up because he always does something interesting. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're running a little long on time. So the other two stories we're here were just kind of ancillary. But did you have any further thoughts uh, on on overall on what we learned at San Diego? I Um, I, I wasn't a lot story wise, but I did like seeing like the TNG crew. And and yeah, I mean, I think as far as the teaser, they really nailed it. I'm deeply disappointed because we spent in particular because of you know what we were doing yesterday showing prodigy and i got to rewatch bits and pieces of it that we don't have a drop date of those the, the back half of that season which is 10 episodes yeah. because previously published uh, accounts are saying oh you'll have it before the end of 2022 so i don't know if that means it's going to be concluded by the end of 2022 or simply that it will start airing before the end of this calendar year so yeah they're they're really fuzzy on that which is annoying because Prodigy yeah. has been pretty good. We all exactly, know. and what and I know where's Chicote? Yeah. What's going on? Exactly, you know, and I it's been, and I got to debut my Prodigy Chicote uniform yesterday, which I was very excited about at the at the show. Very comfortable uniform, by the way. It's roomy. I would, I, Peter, I would recommend it if you're looking looking for your next uniform. It's very comfortable. But I'm, I'm um, thinking maybe the Picard season two. We'll see. Oh yes, yeah, and you know what? I'm going to go with the slacks too because the slacks they're, they're different. The opening is on the side, not the front. And uh, they're, they're piping down the, down the uh, listen to us, we're pontificating about you. Like we're doing it again. I yep. do like the piping. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like the last season of um, Lower Decks and Prodigy, they were running together last summer. I, I might be mistaken, but I feel like yeah, they, were. they were. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm like, why don't they just pull the trigger and say, this is going to start on October 1st or something. So anyway, I'm annoyed. Uh, I know the people at Paramount are not listening to me. But I'm putting it out, even though I tweeted at Star Trek yesterday, I did not get a tweet back saying, where's Prodigy? But anyway, uh, I have no doubt that that news will come our way. And when it does, you will hear it from these guys. So anyway, okay, that is the news. I'm actually going to have a quick pause uh, and we'll be back in a second, And but you won't notice anything. So here we go. Well, that was annoying. <laughs> I paused it for a minute, and then instead of unpausing it, I hit stop. Uh, so for no good reason, now I have to edit us back together again. But anyway, we're back. Shocks! I hate it when that happens. Uh, we're back uh, to talk about the end of a road of some kind. What kind of road is that, Peter? Hmm, I think it's been a long road. That- oh, a long road that leads us to the end of season two. Of Star Trek Enterprise. So this season, uh, which was wrapping up in the spring of 2003, um, was pretty monumentous. I thought we definitely ended on something very, very strong, uh, which which led us into the first season long uh, story arc, which happens in season three. But Mm -hmm. not to put the cart before the proverbial horse. Uh, Peter, let's get rolling. You go first with episode 21. Episode 21, The Breach, uh, directed by none other than Robert Duncan McNeil. I know. I feel like this was one of the few Trek episodes he did. I don't think he did one in Voyager, or I could be wrong. I think he did one or two Okay, Voyager. I don't remember which ones. Gotcha. One or two. Worth researching. Right. Um, Story by Daniel McCarthy, teleplay by Chris Black and John Chabon. Uh, aired April 23rd, 2003. Ah, that's my mother's birthday. I won't tell you how old she was. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the demands of a militant faction, 
Enterprise is asked to retrieve Denobulan geologists from an alien cave. Dr. Flox must also treat a patient with racist views against his people. That's kind of what you get. What? I'm sorry. I was this that was me during this episode. <sighs> I mean, there's some stuff that's interesting. I guess, but, but it's just yeah, there's a militant faction. It was like, okay. Uh, retrieve, used to be at war. Yeah. Really. Re- retrieve some, okay. you know, retrieve some geologists. Okay. Uh spelunking. Well, they did that in an episode of TNG with the, you know, wharf and data and yeah, the, the chain of command when they had a there was a, that Cardassian trap. Okay. Uh one of the goods injured. Okay. Um and then Sorry. yeah, Flo- Flox has to deal with a, a generationally racist guy whose life he has saved. It's like, oh. It just there, there was absolute I mean, character development for Flox. Yeah, okay. You know, and because and you know, there was a part of it that touched a little close home to me because he has, you know, he reveals in conversation with this guy who doesn't want to be treated with him that he has an estranged son. I have an estranged son. I definitely connect with that part of it. But the rest of it, I just, again, like we've seen in a lot of the season, just just super duper generic for me. Yeah. I just, I just, I'm just not digging it. You know what I mean? I mean, I enjoy seeing Denobulans. These ones are kind of yeah, they're really they're 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 obnoxious. They're like, well, we really can't go because this thing and that thing. Well, they're going to blow you up uh, if they. Oh well, um, we have a lot of samples or whatever. So you're going to. It's like, dude, are you friggin' kidding me with this shit? We it's, just it's we just told you. Trying. Yeah, we just told you. My my partner broke his ankle coming down here. We're trying to save you, and you're just being today. So Trip was like. Well, better yet, I can shoot you in the head and throw a rope around your leg and basically drag you back up to 500 meters or however far it is they had to go back up again. So, yeah, I will definitely put this in the category of episodes that I could, couldn't tell you that they happened. I couldn't tell you what they were called. Again, liking Flox as a character as I do, I did appreciate that kind of character development, but the rest of it, ugh. Yeah, uh-uh. it's, not, it's not amazing. Uh-uh, baby. But moving on, um, uh, episode 22 is Cogenitor, uh, directed by LeVar Burton, which, you know, again, boy, they're really racking them up in this last half of the season for actors turned directors. Uh, written by Berna and Braga, so it's, uh, in, which I think bodes well, actually, very much so in this case. Uh, April 30 of 2003, Enterprise encounters the Vissians, and Trip finds himself troubled by the fact that the Vissians are a three-sexed species. Definitely ahead of its time, and again, we don't need to we don't need to talk about gender politics or things related to transgendered individuals. But this, I mean, this was a strictly biological three sexed species. You have a what's equivalent to a male, what's equivalent to a female, and then what's equivalent to basically a, a breeding stock individual. Uh, so it's, the male they don't the, really tell you what <clears throat> right and right honestly. When Star Trek tries to talk about sex, it gets weird. So I'm happy it does. that they didn't. Which is why Kirk never talked about sex. He just, it was just heavily implied with everything he did. And Riker. Um, but this is, uh, I mean, this is a great example, I think, character development-wise for uh, Trip. Uh, and then having really T'Pol as kind of the divining rod of, well, you know, you can't really judge a uh, another culture's standards and practices by your own because that's, you know, the definition of, you know, nationalism or, or you know, anti, anti what would become the Federation, obviously, which is, you know, the prime directive and uh, you know, yep. everyone having the right to their own culture. Um, 
But, you know, it's not without consequences because Trip does uh, befriend this cogenitor who doesn't have a name. They're not really allowed, you know, reading or education. So he's teaching the cogenitor to read. And then the cogenitor, you know, it says, well, I really, you know, I, I really am starting to feel that the way I'm treated is unfair and this thing and that thing. Uh, but at the end of the day, when cogenitor, the cogenitor is not able to obtain his freedom, commits suicide which is sad yeah. and tragic, but it's also a very, like I said, what Star Trek does best, a commentary on, you know, what is very real for those in the LGBT community who can't find acceptance, can't find fr freedom from people within their own, probably within their own family, really, though the cogenitor in this case is not a part of the family of this man and woman who are portrayed from this alien no, species kind of moved around right exactly it's, it's literally a vessel for growing children so they, they grow a child and they and i'm trying to remember is it like is there dna from the man and woman that's that's grown within the cogenitor and then it gives birth is that i'm trying to remember if that's how it works it's not clear they kind yeah. of leave it very vague it, right they they talk about how like the cogen the cogenitor is some sort of like catalyst Right. But okay. They don't really tell you how it works, which is is fine because yeah, said, you which is good. Right. I mean, to dissect it further could be like, well, that's not their biological child. It really should be the cogenitors and blah blah. But but anyway, it it is very sad how and and a commentary on I think a very strong through line in Enterprise in general, which is mankind or Earthers in Earth Starfleet. It does it is not really at the same standard of what you see with. TOS or TNG or other other Starfleet crews to follow because they don't have the prime directive. They you know they're just now getting out and meeting weird different species that do weird different things, and not fully embracing the fact that they can't really apply human values to the way that things happen with other species and and being able yeah. to be accepting of them. It was evident in the very first episode when they were on. Rigel station and there was that woman you know there was that woman trying to wean the child into you know with the breathing apparatus and trip couldn't understand it and paul said you know you should really resist your impulses to judge alien species by your own standards and and you know it's it's now you know almost two seasons later and it clearly has not sunk in or it's very difficult for him well, um, i mean with this one in particular it's not just like oh there's something weird happening right like for, for trip especially there's a there's what's very clearly a uh, disparity of of value of personhood, right. and like that's something that even through the later shows, like that's still an issue for humans and Starfleet in general. It's right. like you do your own weird thing, that's fine. But if you're treating somebody without, if you're treating someone without rights, and you're pre treating them basically as property, right. which is kind of how they were treating the cogenitor, yeah everyone's going to have a problem with that. And that exactly. continues even in later shows. Right. But they'll just handle it a little right. bit Right. Exactly correct. Yeah. So anyway, I thought this was a great episode. And again, Star Trek really doing what it does best, not only with social com commentary on things that actually have evolved into something very different in the last 20 years, but then just really developing along their characters and, and finding ways to kind of educate them uh, and inform their emotional journey as the show goes on. So uh, anyhow... The next one is a real whiz-bang adventure. Peter, it's all yours. Episode 23, Regeneration. Directed by David Livingston, written by Mark Sussman and Phyllis Strong, aired May 7th, 2003. A group of Borg, which of note, are not the Borg from the Delta Quadrant. They're from First Contact. Mm -hmm. So they're left over from a time travel moment. Right. Are revived after a century frozen in the Arctic ice shenanigans ensue so many shenanigans um i remember being super excited by this episode when it came along 
without a doubt. I remember being super annoyed with this. <laughs> now, I do share some of that with you because, again, much like the acquisition episode early in season one where we see but don't identify the Ferengi, um, you know, and, and in season four when we have Bo- uh, uh, Romulan interaction. that, that Romulans it, that, are handled a lot better, I think. Yeah, I, 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 yeah because this is just – this is kind of too much – to being like, okay, well, yeah. then, then you know, 200 years later, when Cube flings the Enterprise D into the path of that Borg Cube, there's no, they, there's nothing that they can refer to. Yeah. It's not like, it's not, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, there's no kind of mission profile. There's not, I mean, they have, you have to imagine that the Enterprise, the most sophisticated computer in the history of forever, has access to all Starfleet records of all time. So how was there nothing like, you know, especially with data on board, how could data not say, well, I found a reference to this in the year 2152, blah, blah, blah. The biggest hole for it is honestly flocks being able to stop To beat it, which no one was ever able to do. The nanites weren't a thing with the Borg on, well, they weren't a thing until we saw them in first contact. Right. Them using assimilation tubules instead of right. Exactly. Knocking you out, taking you, and then chopping you up. Right. Which is, but, yeah, which is what happened in Best Both Worlds. And, and it was yeah. just otherwise, so like, otherwise implied. So it's just one of those, like, if we're dealing with, like, late 24th century Borg technology and 21st century, 22nd century Starfleet is able to beat it. Right. What the hell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun episode. Don't get me wrong. I like, you know, I like that, yeah, that, consequences that, yeah. of time travel and stuff. But there, right. there's a lot of things that I thought were a little funky. I did enjoy that. It's like, well, they sent a signal where it's heading. The Delta Quadrant. When will it get there? Sometime in the 24th century. It's like, you didn't need to explain how the Borg yeah, figured right. out where Earth was. But okay. Right. But again, <laughs> but again, they also didn't because they discovered humanity because of Q. Q went, and then they were they it blasted them seven thousand light years away, and they encountered a Borg cube, and then it was another year before the Borg, which is really weird because the Borg get around with transwarp conduits, so they don't travel in a normal way. So there's a lot of this episode that just really turned like like it was. Yeah, that's why that's like a bit, it was canonically and timeline stuff, and we all know I'm very very picky about that. Yeah, Th- this particular episode kind of wonks with that a bit, and I'm not right. super. This was like, what again I, enjoyable, but it's not just for timeline stuff. Not my favorite. I will I will dub this episode Borg Caddy Wampus. <laughs> Because it was, they did. They took the entire uh, concept of how everything, they kind of walked it backwards and it just kind of drives me nuts. Uh, so anyway, uh, moving on, um, we have the uh, episode 24 is First Flight, again, directed by LeVar Burton. Oh my, and then looking forward to this, directorially, yeah. this last portion of the season is absolutely spectacular. Well, I mean, it helps that they're better episodes. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, writer is John Saban and Chris Black, who I believe uh, were uh, were staffers at the time. From May of 2003, upon the death of a close friend, Captain Archer, tells to Paul about his early career as an experimental warp engine pilot. I liked it. I, I liked yeah, it. This, this, was, this was the first true flashback episode. Um, I love it. It, it dials things back, what, fi- 15 years? 10 years, 15 years? I'm trying to remember yeah, how, how far back they actually went, um, which is funny because they, you know, you think about yourself the way, and of course we're younger than these guys are. You, you know, 
by a little bit. You know, think about how you looked 10 years ago versus the fact that in TV, when somebody they're trying to change someone's age, they'll, they'll comb their hair a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I mean, that's a tough one. And this was in the this was in the the era before, you know, digital de-aging or whatever, which they, they do on television from time to time now. But back in those days, it was like a little bit of makeup or you change the lighting a certain way. So it's just, yeah, Archer's supposed to be younger and Trip's supposed to be a young man because he's he, he's in the, the flashback sequence as well. But yeah, you have T'Pol and... Um, the captain are flying around in a shuttle pod examining the stellar nursery, which is, you know, that's good because you're, you're really, you're, you're strengthening the bond between the, the two main characters of the show, which I like and him kind of retelling the story about his, his frenemy, uh, BG Robinson, who is Keith Carradine, great actor. Um, and how they were, they were, you know, kind of bitter rivals to be the first Starfleet test pilot to break the warp five barrier, which is of course led down the road to, the long road, excuse me, uh, to uh, to developing the War Five engine, which is what the entire series is about on Enterprise. So, um, yeah, some kind of cool stuff. I was severely irritated by the stupid waitress at the Six O Two Club, Rosie or Rosette or whatever. Oh, she'll marry the first guy that guesses the five names of her kids. Like she just sounds like a bimbo waitress to me. Why? Why? Are, and pardon me for anyone out there. I feel like there's going to be one listener who's going to send us hate tweets because I'm, I'm, I'm dogging on this girl. But I found I found her to be the most annoying part of the episode. I know that's probably weird, but I'm like, hey, really, it's always like something. Like as I said about some stuff, sometimes it's just yeah. a small thing. Right, exactly. Do, yeah. Oh, so so you think in the episode could be called uh, "Sweat the Definitely Sweat the Small Stuff"? Yeah, yeah. I like that better. <laughs> definitely sweat the small stuff. That's so, um, yeah, exactly. I'm sweating. I'm definitely sweating the small stuff. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, cool story. I was annoyed by the waitress. I don't know what you think. Um. I honestly forgot about the waitress. <laughs> oh, you see, uh, you see, you see how just absolutely weird it is. The kind of stuff pops up. But, but I, I actually really enjoyed this episode. Um, partially because like, we're seeing like just Starfleet doing experiments, Starfleet right. doing engineering, Starfleet trying right. to grow. And you saw like, they're, you know, they're clearly building off of Cochrane's model. I mean, part right. of it was to save money. They're using the set from right. contact. Mm-hmm. Um, but just just a lot of that stuff and how like you see you go back to Archer like totally like, oh, the Vulcans say we can't do that. Screw you guys. We're doing it anyway. Yeah, right. And then you compare that to what Archer's doing now. It's a little bit different. He's still in the shuttle. He's with T'Pol, a Vulcan, mm-hmm. and he's having like a civil conversation. Right. Um, and like she's now his friend. So so there's like there's a lot of stuff that goes back and forth um, with the time shift and that story. And it's just really good. I think. Yeah. So, and also kind of fun to see like a version of Starfleet's mission control. Right. (laughs) It's just kind of hilarious. Yeah. And this was the very, really the the very early beginning of Starfleet because you do hear Archer refer a couple of episodes back when he's talking to Travis about, you know, there was a time I was thinking about joining the cargo, you know, the ECH, the earth cargo service too. uh, And it was just before Starfleet was formed. So you got to figure that Starfleet, you know, if this, you know, if you doubt it, if it's 2153, because I'm great with dates, just 2153, and let's say the, the flashbacks of this took place 10 years earlier, so it's 21, you know, 43 or whatever it is, that would put maybe Starfleet's founding in the late, like late 21, 2130s, would you think? Just or 20, 20, 22? 
2230. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like if we went to Memory Alpha, it would totally be there. Um, but again, keep in mind that's their Starfleet because it's not till 2161 when the Federation is formed that we get Federation Starfleet that we all know and love, obviously, from everything else. But okay, this has been your nerdly, nerdly nitpickers doing their nerdly nitpicking. Let's... Let's move on uh, to the next one. I think that's you. Yeah, it does say that they were found in the 2130s. Okay. Oh, thank you. There you go. I got it. Doesn't <clears throat> give us a direct date. Bastards. But... I hate it. Yep, that's all it says. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to look. I understand. I really, really do. All right, next episode. Okay, the <clears throat> next episode. Episode 25, Bounty. Um, directed by Roxanne Dawson. Woo! more royalty that would of course be the actress who played Delana Torres in Voyager and mm-hmm. I think she goes on to to do quite a bit still in Star yeah. Trek still in, in yeah, Enterprise she, she's point, directed so yeah. some stuff in Enterprise I think she's directed <clears throat> one or two of um, Discovery and um, right. um, season two of Lower Decks she oh awesome awesome Decks. I love it all so right cool played by Hans Tobiasen Mike Sussman and Phil Strong story by Berman and Braga yay aired May 14th 2003 um, a Tellarite captures Captain Archer in order to collect a reward from the Klingons, meaning Duras, who right. have been searching for him since the events of Judgment. Dun dun dun. So, kind of a kind of a sad one, I think. Uh, and, and but again, I'm not without clicking on the the, the episode and kind of getting character names. <clears throat> this is a Tellarite who he's you know he's kind of he's kind of like Lando Calrissian, you know, he's or you know anyone in kind of this the Star Wars parlance who's had a bad streak of luck. Oh, you know, it really reminds me of in Indiana Jones, the last one, the one that everybody hates, the Crystal Skull. Indiana Jones's buddy, uh, Mac, oh, who's yeah. like, oh, man, I've had a big string of luck. So he just, yeah, you know, him. so he yeah, just, yeah. you know, it has he has no morals. He has no standards. He's going to do whatever he is. So, um, yeah, the Klingons are not, you know, super happy that Archer got away because uh, they still hold mm-hmm. him responsible for um, – basically embarrassing Duras or Duras does. That's why he's got the bounty out on him. Um, But uh, yeah, this furthers that plot line, which does again, bleed into the next episode. It was okay. Uh, I wouldn't call it especially memorable because like I said, I don't even remember the name of the, the the main guest star uh, and, or anything like that. In the end of it, obviously he, I think he does the right thing or he, yeah, he was, it was what? Jordan Lund is the Tellarite. Gotcha. So in the end, obviously, actually, this guy does deliver Archer for the bounty, but the Klingons end up stiffing him on the amount. They give him less than they said. And his whole motivation is to buy back his old ship. So it is kind of like Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon. But in the end of it, he doesn't get the money he was promised. The ship is, you know, has been destroyed anyway, so he can't get it back. And so he he facilitates Archer being able to escape after the fact, which is fine. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and then you have was... a side plot of to Paul's. Oh God, on far getting kicked off. Oh my God, and see, yeah, you're right. I, I like how could I forget? Kind of exemplifying kind of some of the worst things that they do in this series, which is just hypersexualizing poor Jolene Blaylock uh, for the sake of the fact that it, it was on. I was going to say the CW because it was it was. The CW, you know, the CW was created by the merging of UPN and, and the WB when they both oh, collectively okay. went out of business. But it was just they just really worked super hard to make things sexy, and it was Which just doesn't uh, work very one. It doesn't work very well on Star Trek. It just doesn't. 
Right. And because that's not what it's about. And it's also just like, it kind of goes against what Star Trek is about. Right. You know, and the same thing could kind of be said about Star Wars because Star Wars just always seems to get sex wrong. You know, well, you know, Luke and Leia kissing was a bad start to that. But yeah, they just always seem to, you know, they just always seem to, to kind of muck it up. But they're trying to be like, well, you know, we have young males as viewers and let's, you know, put a hot whatever in front of them and, and they're going to love it. And it just, you're right, it definitely doesn't work, especially with Dr. Flox being kind of an extraordinarily asexual character, even with what you find out about Denobial and society and the fact that they're all in, you know, three, four marriages at a time. You know, he says, well, Denobulan males are, they're really very demure. We don't like to talk about sex. And then she's like crawling all over him. So it's just like, that's, it's just icky. And it's so super tacked on. Weird. It's such a super tacked on B story yeah, to be like, well, you know, we felt like they needed a B plot. And so they yeah. gave him a B plot. And it's like, right. And, and it was just, yeah, it was no. just, it was just, you know, flops horrific. So uh, anyway, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a blah, blah, blah to the end of the sea to, to the the penultimate episode of the season. But when we get into the actual season finale, we're, we're in great shape all over the place. So episode 26 is The Expanse, which was such a popular name. They turned it into a completely unrelated science fiction series that Oxtra <laughs> has been after me to finish watching. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. I watched a couple the of episodes. Are, like, the books are great. Uh, I watched a couple of episodes when it first came on and I thought it was okay, but it was, you know, not really okay enough to keep watching. But anyway, if you love The Expanse, still waiting for you to add us at Twitter and let us know at Secret Friends You if you love The Expanse, regardless. But anyway, The Expanse is the name of this episode, uh, directed by Alan uh, Croker, who's the Heritage Director. It's a Berman and Braggett joint, which is easy to tell because it's really, it really lands it. Uh, we got this on May 21 of 2003. After an alien attack on Earth, Enterprise is refitted being before being sent into the Delphic Expanse, which I can is actually featured on my history of the United Federation of Planets, which used to be right here. Now it's over on this opposite wall. You can kind of see where it's at. Yeah. Um, Subcommander T'Pol resigns her commission with the Vulcan High Command to stay on Enterprise, and Tucker is troubled by the death of her sister, of his sister. <clears throat> now, keeping in mind this aired not even two years after 9-11, but it was a very strong allegory, obviously, to that. You have the, I mean, have the cold open of this episode is terrific. You just see open space and a portal opens up and a little orb spits out. And, and it's like, pan, oh, it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it pans around and you see that it's orbiting. It's Earth is right there. It then flips around and shoots a laser beam, which lands in Florida, starts cutting its way due south. And apparently it lands in Venezuela, traveled 4,000 yeah, kilometers cuts across the entire Caribbean. <clears throat> yeah, it was just it was just it was just. And then, the, you know, that's the depth of the cold open. And then you go to the, the opening of the commercial and you're like, holy shit, what the hell's going on here? You just don't know. It was very it was really about as much of excitement as I think that they have done in the show to this oh, point. Yeah, it was, it was probably the best teaser they had. Yeah, I would say and maybe really in some ways in all of Star Trek, though my previous favorite was Scorpion Part 1, the end of Season 4 of Voyager, where you see some... The enemy's pretty good, too. Yeah, oh yeah, where Troy just finds herself a rhyme. But yeah, the Scorpion with the Borg cubes are coming in and saying their little their their Borg sales pitch, and then you just see them blown up by something off screen. <clears throat> so they do land it sometimes, but I thought this one was great. But yeah, Enterprise is recalled to Earth. You find out in the end of it that seven or eight million people died in this attack uh, on yeah, Earth. It keeps going up through the episode. Actually. Yeah, exactly. So and yeah, yes, you do find out that one of the victim was uh, was Trip's baby sister. So he's traumatized, and that's really going to set the course 
for his entire character arc within the next episode or the next season. Um, but yeah, this episode has to finding out that it's a species called the Zindi that the Vulcans are familiar with. The Delphic Expanse, which is is near to Vulcan, um, is uh, something that the Vulcan are familiar with. They had a ship go in there that the crew went nuts and killed each other, and the footage got back to them. They're like, well, you just probably don't want to go. Yeah, you don't want to go yeah. there. And then the humans are like. We're going to always do what the Vulcans say not to do because that's our deal. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, they're getting outfitted. They're getting ready to go. Um, the B plot of this kind of circles around. It's still it's still Duras and the, Duras has said, you know, and I, you know, spinning right off of the last episode, I can't get a bounty hunter to uh, to get Archer. So I'm just going to have to track him down myself. So. Uh, they they yep. attack them. They they attack Enterprise right in early in the episode when they're entering her solar system. Uh, other Starfleet vessels show up and, and save them. And then as they travel to the Delphic Expanse, which was a seven week trip at high warp, they're just getting in there. And then they find out the Doris has followed them, and they have a big battle, which is pretty sweet. Throughout the they still haven't gone into the cloud yet, but yeah, they have they have a, they you know do a little aerial this and that, and in the end, Doris is is killed, which is fine because obviously. We know that the Dura series is going to go on, but uh, and, and it does wrap up that plot line, so we don't have to deal with you know yeah. once season three is over, like oh they're still out for him. It's all it's all said and done. Um, yeah. I thought bring in uh, Daniels for a hot second. So. Yeah, yeah, you're right to just kind of keep the oh the temporal Cold actually War, no not is... Daniels. It's it's Silic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we yeah, bring exactly. in Silic and he talks about like hey the Zindi are attacking because it's another Cold War thing. Right, you know, and you Cold have War the, doesn't yeah. really come up much in the later season, but they just kind of like right. that that quick tie in. Right, and you have the holographic dude in the background talking about well you know somebody from the future is manipulating this whole situation. Blah, 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 blah. So it was I would say without a doubt of all season finales that I can think of within Star Trek, this one had the best setup going in that had you asking a lot of questions like because at the very end they're like we've reached the the boundary of the delphic expanse and he's like take us in and then that's the end um so awesome setup you don't know what they're flying into i mean it's been set up that it's deadly you know they're different weird you know the laws of physics don't apply and there's stuff out there that can make people go nuts and you know kill all your crewmates like what happened to the vulcans and you just don't know. And so, yeah, we're headed in. Peter, it'll be a long time before we circle back and we start talking about season three. Uh, though I wanted to keep watching. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe I should hold off. Another... I just kind of did anyway. because Yeah, I, I was thinking I, I also kind of slid back in because our next thing that we're going to take on is season three of TOS. And I'm only one, I'm only two episodes in and it's very much a mixed. Yeah, I, I watched all of season three of TOS. TOS is, oh, my gosh. Is a little oh, rough. my God. But anyway, we'll be talking about that certainly next week. So, yeah, I, I like I I said I would I would go on record as saying I thought this had the best setup um, for what is an entire season arc of stories where you just say it's kind of they likened it at the time um, the people at UPN likened it at the time to my favorite show my other favorite show that was on the air at the time was is Fox's 24 with Keith Sutherland where you just had okay. yeah. one story though 24 became very formulaic very quickly because you always had an A story which took half the season. Then things got turned on its ear, and you had a B story that took the second half of yeah. of, of a season. It all took place like, in quote unquote real time. Better than how some things have been doing it more recently, where like you had the the plot that kind of it runs through, right? Like it starts here and then it runs through, but it's right. not like the primary focus all the time. Absolutely, like they correct. do yeah. still have detour. They still have some of their like 
hey, let's do a dumb episode. Yeah, exactly. Like they did the they did the Cowboys and Indian one, the North Star, which it was a great episode I liked. And it's funny there was a there was a a, one of the key characters from Twenty Four guest starred in that episode. He was the sheriff, and his name is on the tip of my tongue. His name was Aaron on Twenty Four, but the name of the actor who's somebody who did a lot of other Star Trek. Right on the tip of my tongue. I could see his face, but it doesn't matter. Um, all right. So wrapping up season two, uh, giving it one to 10 stars. I wouldn't say necessarily comparing it to season one or to what comes in front of it. How do you think season two moved the series forward as a whole? I think overall season two really moved the series along in terms of quality mm-hmm. and uh, character development. Like there's a couple stankers in there. But Without a doubt. Every, I mean, yeah. Every show has those. And again, um, you know, 26 episodes, especially by today's standards. I mean, we got 10 episodes in season two of Picard and it was still terrible. You know what I mean? So yeah, you and I, you, color. I don't, yeah, you, you and I had this conversation not that long back that, yeah, you can still, you know, it's, it's the quantity or less quantity, you know, lack of quantity doesn't necessarily guarantee quality. That's what we found with Picard season two. Um, And you're right. There were potentially a lot more filler. You know, there's going to be more filler episodes when you have a 26 episode season without a doubt, but there were, there were some great key episodes in this that move forward to Paul's character, like with the, the Archer's character. Yeah, exactly. And uh, trip. And then, and then everybody's story in this last episode, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So I, I really like what they did, especially in the back half um, because they, they they seem to kind of coalesce in some storylines that were, and it wasn't even necessarily moving us towards the moment of the finale because that was a shock. You know, yeah, it wasn't was like, well, yeah, how are we going to wrap this up? Well, let's have this big attack on Earth and then we're going to have to go after this alien species and find out why they did it. Yeah, I um, but I absolutely love season three. I cannot wait to talk about season three. Season yeah, so, but we will, but again, you've already watched it and you'll have to watch it again, obviously, as oh, we do this darn. next time around. And I don't think it's going to be a problem for you. So, so anyway, yeah, I would say that overall, I think while there definitely were some duds, uh, there definitely were, there, there were some duds and some studs. I'm not changing the name of the episode of that. I'm sticking with the sweat, the small <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, but I liked it. So I look forward to it. I will admit freely, I am not dramatically looking forward to talking about TOS season three, but there's a Damn couple it. solid ones in there. Well, but, you know what? But... This is this is our mission. This is our this is our duty is to talk about every episode of Star Trek before we finally run out of it and have to do something else on the show. But that that's my, that's when I started the show, and I took a little detour here and there because I've changed guest hosts a little bit. But uh, you and I are of a like You and I, when I brought you on the show, I said this was our format before. Do you like it? This is what we used to do. He says, I want to continue to talk about episodes. And then, then yep. you know, we, we broke it down so that we did it in quarter segments uh, so that we would have more time to talk as opposed to just racing through things. And um, yep. now I'm blowing up too much time. Stinkers, yeah, yeah, we can we can breeze over the stinker. So anyway, with that, uh, we bid adieu to Star Trek Enterprise for some time to come. Uh, coming up next week, uh, next episode, we're going to have Katie back. We're going to talk about Lower Decks Season 1 and Segment 1. And then Segment Yay. 2, we're going to start TOS Season 3, Peter and me, because we're not dragging poor Katie through Box that. We, 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 we have too much respect for Katie to make her talk about Spock's brain. With that, Peter, take us out of here. All right. For more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grand Petoskey on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Yes, indeed. Please. And uh, Peter, where do people find you out there in the socials? You can find me on the interwebs at Petrus Aquinas on most things. So 
There you go, with your unique commentary on every diggity darn thing. You can find me on Twitter at the C3, spell it out. Of course, at Secret Friends U is our main Twitter tag uh, out there on Twitter. Uh, April and I, and Peter's members as well, as I'd mentioned, uh, are all part of the USS Grand Petoskey, a chapter of the Starfleet International Fan Club here in Michigan. We can be found at our website of that name and across socials in all variations. So. Friends, thank you as always for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.